This is Create the Next from Pro CFO Partners, where every week we explore strategies and ideas for financial management and growth to help today's businesses put their financial picture in context. Welcome back to Create the Next. I am joined today by managing partner and co-founder of Pro CFO Partners, Nelson Tepfer. And Nelson, it's so great to have you back. I always enjoy every conversation we ever have, whether we're on air or not. And uh, you and I were talking not long ago uh, about some things that you were experiencing with clients and the skill wall came up. And right away, we both said, wow, we, we need to talk about this so that uh, others can benefit from it. So welcome back. And first, help me understand what you mean when we're talking about the skill wall inside of an organization. Chris, always great to be here. Always enjoy our conversations. Thanks. And it's great to be back on. So the skill wall is always an interesting conversation that comes up because, you know, at its most basic, we very often see within companies where they try and make whoever, you know, they try and adapt their employees to whatever they actually need them to be mm. instead of actually figuring out the other way around as an, okay, who do I need? What does the company actually need accomplished here and who's capable of doing it? It's more, well, this employee didn't really work out than this because, but they've been with me for 15, 20 years. So let's see what else they can do within the organization. <laughs> this all sounds very familiar. So that's, uh, there's so much to unpack in just this thing. Do you feel like skills development, what is the relationship for you between skills development? and sort of experiential uh, skills, what I come in because I've been in the business for a long time, and just sort of natural ability or natural capability. Should I be hiring for the proven experienced person or for the person who clearly has hunger and desire and we can shape them into something? So interestingly enough, I find some of that question can be organizational dependent. The most important factor, obviously, is hiring for fit. Because if the fit isn't there, no matter what kind of skills they bring to the table, that employee will never work out longer term. Like cultural fit? Cultural fit. Or you can say culture. I like just using fit overall because you say cultural fit. You can say organizational fit. You can use whatever terminology most people, but most people can understand this when you say, does this person really fit in your organization? Because if they don't, it doesn't matter that they've done this exact role at larger, smaller, same organizations for the rest of the past 20 years, if they don't fit your company, that's not going to, none of that is going to matter. But to go back to the question the way you phrased it, do you hire, you know, I think some of it depends really what the company needs or what level the company or they're bringing this employee in on. For instance, you can't really hire, well, I can speak a little bit personally about this. You can't hire a CFO who doesn't have the skills or perspective of having done this before. No matter how passionate they may be and how much willing they want to learn of it, that's great. But are they really filling that role? And is more importantly, if that's what the company needs, obviously they're doing a disservice by bringing in someone who hasn't done this or promoting someone from within who doesn't have the perspective and capability to tackle this. But I find for many other parts of the organization that passion or drive or capability of developing those can be far more productive over a longer period of time. So unfortunately, or as usually the way we get involved in these conversations, the answer is it depends. <laughs> well, it's true. It depends. And and do you think leadership sets the tone for that? Uh, what responsibility does the business uh, owner, does the chief executive, does the uh, group of decision makers have in understanding this relationship? Because what I find is like with a lot of things you and I've talked about, strategies and goals and things like this, it sort of just happens. There doesn't seem to be sometimes a strategic approach to where are we going to hire with room for development and where are we going to absolutely, you know, we're going to be willing to make the investment necessary to get that exact kind of right person. Instead, it's 
it's inconsistent and it's sort of random. And in this case, it's that. And in this case, we really like this person or, or it's, whatever. It's by default instead of by design is yeah. what usually happens. Great. And As, usually Nelson cuts right through <laughs> and to the, to the words that matter. Yes. So you know, this is very key and many growing successful organizations. We see that mindfulness towards, you know, what we want to bring on, what we're willing to mentor and train versus what they need to have walking in the door. And we definitely are seeing more forward thinking companies approach us as saying, we need that passion. We need that capability more so than we need a hard skill walking in the door. Again, for certain areas within the organization, if they do not know how to do, you're requiring them to do day one. Obviously, that person is going to be set up to fail. But beyond that, it's understanding what's really driving or what will drive the company's success or what will drive success in the role. So you can back this up a little bit to truly understand what are the success factors in many of the roles which companies very often struggle with. Mm. Like, oh, we need this person. We need a salesperson. Okay. What are the expectations of the salesperson? What are the success factors of the salesperson? Because you look, you say salesperson across five different organizations and that person will be very, very different. So that's where it becomes for your organization what does success look like in the roles you're bringing on? What does success look like? What are the success factors? What activities do you expect them to be able to do within what kind of time frame? So there is a lot, a lot to setting the expectations correctly, no matter the level. So again, when you're talking about bringing in somebody who is, I'll call loosely more coming in without necessarily the skills that you need, but you believe has the capability to develop them or has the passion to develop them and everything else is in line, you need to set that expectation is recognizing this person does not have them but you're willing to invest in making sure this person learns it or more person can get them. How because that goes down to the strategic side of a, of a conversation. What are the goals for this role in this, in this part of the organization? What is it going to do for the organization moving forward? And that's, a, that's exactly the kind of question that I have is, so should I be measuring that? You and I talk a lot about that too. Should I be putting some key performance indicators in play here? And, and or is, it, is that a little uh, sterile? And, and should it be a little more of a human dynamic? So that's a little bit of a trick question because we're all CFOs here, pro CFO partners. The answer is, of course, measure everything. But, <laughs> but there are ways to measure that. So, for instance, you know, I remember working with one of our clients recently where they're bringing in somebody into a new role that they were creating. And before we brought on the person, before we even started the search, we were outlining, okay, for whatever this person does within 30 days, what, we, what do we need them to be able to do? Within 60 days, within 90 days, what do we need them to be able to do? Because then you can separate that from the true skill side of the conversation or the passion or capability side. If they're coming in without the skills within 30 days, still, what do we need them to be able to do? Can they figure out our environment and what's, what the workload is going to be, what our expectations are within this period of time? You can create the metric, which is, I think, very important because then after the 30 days, you can say, is this working or not? Or what do we need to change? Within 90 days, what needs to change? Or how do we need to adapt to this? You know, to actually submit either A, make this person succeed or choose to part ways and separate at this stage instead of waiting for what very often happens, the nine years until this person fails at four other roles within the organization and then having to part ways for other reasons. What is the deal with that? You, you mentioned it uh, kind of flippantly right at the start, this person who's been here for 20 years. I see this a lot. I see, I see organizations struggling uh, somebody was really great when they were a tiny organization, when they had five people and they have $500,000 in revenue. And now there are 5 million or 15 or 50 million. And the skill just hasn't kept up. But rather than make the maybe necessary or obvious change, 
we don't. What's the deal? Is it uh, fear? Is it uh, that human element? Is it trepidation around the the long long sort of uh, learning curve that can happen when we try to bring somebody else on? What do you think is holding us back? So that's certainly a part of it. The flip side, if you want to think of it from the other side, is they may not know what the person is supposed to be able to do. We think of our function, for instance, a finance and accounting function. Most business owners are not finance and accounting backgrounds. They're excellent at delivering a product or a service. The business side of things is something they pick up along the way of doing it. So they know at $500,000 or at $5 million, they need to have these things done. They don't know it necessarily at 15 and 20, how that function should change or what else it should be doing to support them. So if they don't know it, how can they communicate their expectations for the person they're relying on to deliver it for them? That's great insight or how to upskill or how to provide resources to that person to upskill. So what very often happens, they're, they're a key employee. They're passionate, they're loyal, they want to help the business succeed, but they don't necessarily know what else they should be doing. And they're not giving guidance on what that looks like. So we have been called in to mentor people in those roles, to be able to step up into larger roles within organizations. Aside from obviously from just taking on the role ourselves, there are very often other key people in the organization where we want them to be able to increase their capacity to take on larger roles within the organization as well. Obviously, we do this on the finance and accounting function, but we've also had conversations where they have somebody in a role which is no longer a fit for them, where to your point, your organization has evolved past them. And from our perspective, it's not always about great, let them go and figure out, find somebody else. But what else has what has made this person such a valuable part of this organization? It's very often not that specific skill set that's required of them that they no longer, no longer lacking in. For instance, we see this very often at the controller level, we'll call it, or director of finance or some senior finance or accounting function where the company has evolved past this person. It's not that what, what kept them so long and made them such a crucial part of the organization along their journey for whatever number of years it's been is very often not strictly their accounting skills. Mm. It's what else they've brought to the organization that supported it along the way. So we've had scenarios where that person was in this role and we switched them to a different role within the organization, not because of just finding something else, but truly understanding what is this person's value to the overall organization. Create the Next is brought to you by Pro CFO Partners, who believe every business deserves to work with an expert CFO to guide its success. Pro CFO Partners are expert financial officers networked across industries, verticals, specializations, and situations. Fulfilling the role of a part-time CFO with all-time commitment, Pro CFO Partners utilizes the innovative and exclusive FGC Financial Flywheel as a framework that creates momentum to drive your financial functions for sustainable success. Visit ProCFOPartners.com to explore how we can implement a systematic and scalable financial system to help you achieve your goal. ProCFOPartners.com That is a great illustration to flip this conversation on its head, which I hadn't thought of doing, to take kind of this less pragmatic approach that says, well, in a binary sense, this person is or isn't doing this job in the way we expect, but instead saying, but what are they doing? Clearly they're valuable. And then what do you think? You find a new role for them? How do you how do you avoid the sort of, let's move them to 17 different positions, but how do you get the best out of everybody in that situation, recognizing that this person does have something to contribute here? So it is, it, is a, it is a little bit of a trap and the companies do get stuck with very often as in finding new roles or creating new roles where they didn't really need it just to, for, to avoid letting go of somebody. So yes, it is being aware that that is a natural evolution or what we naturally like to do and how we can actually separate from that and actually delivering this. So we've seen it be successful and unfortunately we've also seen it fail when companies try and do this. So for starters, it comes with being very clear, what does this organization need? 
forget about the roles or the people playing, you know, in each of these roles. Sometimes it can be as simple as really, what do we need? Do we need a new customer service lead? Do we need a new, you know, engagement? You know, someone's focused on a client engagement. Do we need a new salesperson? We've seen people switch different to different scenarios with different functions within the organization. And it's not always something you would think of naturally, you know? So sometimes it is, what does the organization need? And being blunt or open and honest with this person is this role is no longer a fit for you. You know, we see you're very good about these types of things. Would you be interested in exploring taking on this side of the business or running point on this side of the business? So we certainly seen those go successfully, but unfortunately it is being very wary of the crap we, we, we started the conversation with of just finding new roles for things that you don't actually need. What advice do you have for right now? As you and I are having this conversation, we're in the midst of kind of a crazy labor market. Uh, we're in the midst of the great resignation, which is folks are coming to some new realizations about their own interests and their own sort of uh, stakes in their professions and the changes they're going to be making. So it isn't easy right now to go find that high caliber you know, talent or even in some cases that junior person who you can sort of nurture because there's not a lot of talent out there right now. What what should I be doing? So if I recognize that I've got people of this skill wall is an issue here, but I don't have easy answers for what I should be doing. How do I bring on, I don't know, uh, new perspectives that can help me through either this temporary time or from a longer perspective? Well, flippantly, I'll say, just give us a call. We can help. But aside from that. <laughs> it's always so the answer. Aside, default answer to every question. <laughs> of course. No. I mean, sometimes it is being aware that there are resources you may not have explored. Or the, the professionals you have around you may be uh, greater pools of resources than you may initially think of. For instance, a different perspective. Yeah, we have, we are very often get involved in a lot of these conversations. So sometimes it's being aware that you do have this leadership available to you on a fractional basis or part-time basis for whatever you need. And sometimes it is just doing that reset think uh, mindset of like, okay, really, what is it that I actually need here? You know, just forcing, you know, forcing yourself to think differently. Yes, you've been trying to hire for this role for the last six months and you haven't been successfully. So what's going on? You can just blame it on the great resignation. And it certainly is a factor. Oh, but sometimes it can be just the side, you know, figuring out, OK, what are the real factors here that's going to make this role successful? And what hasn't worked when we've tried it like this in the past? That is another great perspective. And I'm wondering, just from a real sort of uh, functional point of view, if I think of a fractional CFO, this is surprising to me. I, I wouldn't necessarily think I need somebody to help me better understand my skill. Like you've shared all these illustrations about how you're helping organizations sort of examine their talent in this way and in that way. Um, I didn't expect that from a CFO. I didn't expect that from um, when I was thinking I need better management of fi my financial functions. Is that because you guys and you, Nelson, and Holly and the team do so much more than should be expected? Or do I have a narrow vision of what the CFO or the fractional CFO or what pro CFO partners uh, should be doing for me? Well, I think the HR function is always an interesting one as it relates to finance. You know, you can label the two. I know Holly very often is fond of saying, you know, human resources are the balance, are the, are the asset not on your balance sheet, for instance. And it's very true. As organizations grow, as the, the, the phrase I like to use very often is most issues become who problems, not how problems. Mm. So they are very key in developing the processes, developing the financial insights, or developing all of these goals and strategies to be able to deliver this. That being said, you know, some 
think still think of it very narrowly as an okay well they're going to put another report on my desk and then i don't know i know I'll, I'll wait until they give me the next report to figure out what i'm supposed to do with it yeah. so from our perspective it is absolutely driving the goal you know driving that framework for financial management and growth of which people are a key part of it you know uh Halle and i have talked about Halle fardy uh the other managing partner and co-founder have talked before about how business is personal and last week rashid khan and i talked about uh, the people pillar in business transformation. Go listen to those episodes because uh, they're great. Do you think that we're in the midst of, I don't know, some sort of a transformation just where we're thinking differently about people at work? Or are we are we uh, catching up to what people have been saying for a while, which is, look, we need attention that's different than what you're giving us. This bottom line sort of uh, P&L that, as Halle says, it's it's what's not on your balance sheet. We need some different attention. Where are we headed, do you think? What's five years from now, 10 years from now? Are, are we under huge transformation where people are concerned at work? So the labor force is always an interesting dynamic to discuss in this greater context because it is constantly shifting. You know, there is the supply and demand side of things as in what they want, you know, what's available, what you need, you know, which has happened. But you can go back to, you know, almost every major shift that happened in the labor force and point to some underlying factors. You know, when manufacturing went overseas, all the manufacturing jobs disappeared. And it took some time for that shift to happen. What's happening now is we refer to the great resignation, which I believe will be a continued trend, is there's a shift happening in what workers want or what they're willing to accept or tolerate, which has been, I guess, highlighted over the past two years and dealing with COVID and the response to it. And that shift is perhaps defining more what is available from a workforce perspective, what's driving some of the workforce perspective. I do believe it will continue to shift towards that and again, it will go back to equilibrium as opposed to where it is right now where companies are constantly under pressure. But that is a shift which will continue to happen certainly over the coming years. Uh, you want me to predict five or 10 years out? Well, I think if my crystal ball were that accurate, we'd probably be having a very different conversation. <laughs> but five or 10 years out, you know, I do think it will have settled more until equilibrium or fortunately or unfortunately until we deal with the next crisis that causes the next shift. Do you have, is there a, a super on the spot here? One, maybe two pieces of keen advice for the business leaders to look, these are the things you have to adapt. These are the realities, and here's what we're seeing too often uh, aren't happening in response. Here's the way that we need to adapt to this sort of talent conversation. Well, I would say yes, but it's more than just the talent. It's truly understanding what are the success factors. You can point to the role to say the talent side of things, but you can also point to the larger organization to say about almost everything else. So when you're talking about the talent, it's truly understanding what, it mean, what does it mean to be successful in this role? Right now, there's constant debate, especially in this greater New York area, talking about the back to office or still staying remote or hybrid or what this looks like. And from what we're seeing, it's never a simple yes or no, everyone must be back in the office or everyone must be home. So it's understanding understanding what's, what makes your organization successful and being able to communicate that to your employees, to the stakeholders, so they understand where you're going. The, the, the worst part we're seeing is that the lack of communication, so employees don't really know, and that's when they start saying, well, we don't know what's gonna happen over the coming months, so let me find the next opportunity where I know, where I will know, or I will have that confidence that I'll have the flexibility I want. Nelson Tepfer dropping all kinds of knowledge. Uh, there's so many nuggets here that are great. And I can't wait to to have a listen back because you just shared some insights that, as always, furthered my own thinking in this. And I'm sure for our listeners as well. Thank you so much for your insights and expertise in this and, and your generosity in sharing it with us. Um, and I think, you know, we'd be remiss. Nelson made a joke, but really, 
these people think on a different plane. And if you've got some of these issues, just give us a call and, and we'll explore them with you. And, and we'll see uh, if there's a way that we can help because um, this, is, this is tough stuff to get through if you don't have the right resources and mindsets and expertise around you. Nelson, thanks so much. Appreciate you. Chris, always great to be on. Always enjoy our conversations. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to our subscribers. Consider becoming one today. Visit ProCFOPartners.com and learn how we can help you build a framework for financial management and growth.